Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You're joined by your usual hosts here, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are we doing? You got a wee smirk on your face as if you're expecting something. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm in a good mood. I've had the day off. Yeah? Yeah. Just had a bit of a pyjama day. Haven't really done much. And now I'm here to record this episode and play some games. So. Well, I was working out in the rain today. That was my day. So... Total opposite of me. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the rain as much as some other people, but... It's not pleasant, though, is it? No, but you just get on with it, don't you? Needs must. Mm. And all that, but it's it's been very dreich, as they say up as here. As they say up here, yeah. At Dramatic weather. Yeah. Biblical rain, <laughs> some might even say. Um, so it's, uh, it's good weather for gaming... Bizarrely, mm. we've not done all that much. No, I've, I've I've been busy in work, and I've been struck down by a, vici- a vicious man flu. Yeah, which is why my voice is a little, little bunged up. Yeah, but um, I have to I have done a little bit though. We had our Pathfinder session on Tuesday, yeah. uh, which I'll update you on briefly later on. But before would, we do that, do you have some news items? Let's, let's hear it then. Okay, what's been going so. on? So I, I saw this on one of the Age of Sigmar groups that I'm in on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a slightly more obscure news piece. But I thought it was worth mentioning because it, it raises some interesting points. Some Games Workshop fans have started a petition to get Games Workshop to take some responsibility for recycling sprues. Okay. Yeah, just have like a little a little uh, bin in yeah, each store. Yeah, receptacle or something, you know, where like, you get them in supermarkets like for, for batteries. batteries yeah. yeah. So I think the guy that started this is thinking that there should be some sort of receptacle or other um, where the sprues are recycled. Yeah, I mean that. It's a small gesture that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, they probably don't even have to because like. <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong, but those plastic sprues, they can just go in your... Certainly up here anyway, they can go in your standard recycling, can't they? As far as I'm aware, I think they can. And I think yeah. most councils across Britain have rolled mm. that out now. So Because it is pure plastic, there's no adhesive in it yeah. or anything like that, so I think most recycling plants would take them. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I do agree with this, it, it would be nice to see Games Workshop step up well this is this is what i'm saying like it it wouldn't even necessarily be an awful lot of effort on their part because presumably they have a recycling collection at their shops as well as you know we have in our domestic homes yeah I, the problem is i do know that um depending on where your shop is cited that um the the people that handle waste removal 
um, can can levy additional charges. Okay. Depending on how much waste you're producing, so there is that. But at the same time, why should they be exempt from taking responsibility for their carbon footprint when so many other companies are doing that? And and, and I know uh, Lego is the, the the biggest toy manufacturer in the world. They they've um, they've now made a commitment to have I think all of their kits or at least most of them yeah, using plant based plastic aye. by twenty twenty, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. So yeah. um no, it's fair enough. Have Games Workshop responded in any sort of way then? Or? I haven't seen yet, but I, I will need to check in on that and certainly if, if you're listening and you're aware of anything uh that that's perhaps come from that, then do let us know. Um but it's something I think we've touched upon a couple of times, is the the problem that um, tabletop gaming isn't the most green. No, it's sustainability is increasingly uh, becoming an issue across all areas of our, you know, consumer habits. So, mm. so no, it's definitely definitely the right thing to do, and hopefully, as you say, Games Workshop respond and step up uh, in kind. Yeah, so, uh, we'll keep you posted on that, guys, as as and when developments come out. Yeah. Okay, so we recently had the Toy and Game Innovation Awards. They took place this month, mm-hmm. and so what? One of the the prizes for that is the most innovative game. Okay. Twenty eighteen. What do you think would have won that? That. That's a tough call. Uh, now, I wonder if it's because there's been a couple of games that have come out this year that have um, involved augmented reality apps as well. So no, Ben's shaking his head. You're way off. I'm way off. Yeah. You're, you're, what, could, what could be more innovative than augmented reality? Shite, apparently. It is a game called Don't Step In It. Right, and it's about it's about not stepping, stepping on poo. in it. So how is it innovative? Tell me how this is innovative. I don't know. You've got little spongy poos, and I don't know. That's not innovation. Who? I'm I'm genuinely quite angry now. <laughs> Why did you tell me this? I was perfectly happy today before knowing that some. Some game about stepping in dog shit has won some sort of industry award. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I love how mad you are about that. How, how's that even a game? That's not a game. I play that game every day outside <laughs> as I go for my bus. <laughs> Like, it's not a game, it's a hardship. <laughs> exactly. It's a horrible it's, fact of life. It's it, it, it's it, it's a damn nuisance, yeah. is what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's preparing children for one of the harsh realities of life. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely want to know their justification for giving that innovative game. How's this an innovative game? Well, I agree with you. I, I'm, I obviously don't feel quite as strongly as you do. Uh, but <laughs> how does that not make you angry? Well, because I've already 
You've, read you've it processed and processed this. it, and I've come to conclude people are morons. Yeah, Move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> we yeah. should. But yeah. Good lord, though. I've th- this, the thing is, like these people are allowed to vote and all that. It, it explains Brexit. <laughs> uh, does it though? <laughs> Uh, they have stepped in it with that. Way! Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're all night, folks. It's that unlucky frog nailing our colours to the mast yeah, no, since I, 2017. Yeah, we, we'll take a we'll we'll take a moment to to express that we are politically imp- no, I can't say that. No, <laughs> like, no, no. So so, dog shit game wins award. Yeah. Literal dog shit game win, wins award. Yep. Um. There's been another Kickstarter controversy. Uh, okay. Yeah. How so? Uh, this time it's Steamforged. Um, it's not on the same... Granted, it's not quite as scandalous uh, as like, Space Goat or something like Forgive that. Forgive me, though, but Steamforge as in the people who made Dark Souls. They made it? Dark Souls. Resi they... 2? Was that Steamforge? I think it was, yeah. yeah. Resident Evil, um, they've done... Zero Dawn Horizon, or is it Horizon Zero Dawn? I can't remember. I don't follow video games, man. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't play PlayStation games. So, anyway, that one. Mm. Um, and they also did the Critical Role minis. Oh yes, they did that as well. I believe they're a Manchester-based company. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happened is. It is worth emphasising that from what I was able to discern, it's only been um, international customers. So it's okay. cu- customers that customers not, based out with the UK. Yeah, customers in particular, I think, who are not getting English language versions of the game. Oh right, okay. Um, so they're, they're they're in the process of um, what they call the wave two shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of customers have been informed that um, they were unable to ship their items to them. Mm-hmm. And what they've done instead is they have issued these customers with a gift certificate for their store equal sometimes to half of the value of the stuff they'd bought. Oh, it was sounding all right. Yeah. Up until you mentioned that, because okay, it's not what you bought. You're not getting your money back, but you're getting you're getting an equivalent value yeah. that you can most likely buy something else that you'd probably enjoy. It's a, still a bit of a gaff, but at yeah. least you're not completely out. Half though. Half. Um, what What's the justification for that? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I suppose it, it, it's worth again mentioning here. Uh, Kickstarter is not a shop. It's yeah, that was exactly my first thought. It, it's a means of investing in a project. You're not a customer; you're an investor. Things go wrong with projects, and we're we're seeing it again and again. Where with these big Kickstarters, um, these companies they're over promising and under delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, in in fairness to Steamforged, I believe most people do have. Dark Souls. Now they they've they've got their copy, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if it's one of these ones where th- there's been some costs 
that they've not anticipated and they've tried to reach some sort of compromise on it. Uh, it's a bit ham-fisted. Oh, anyway. yeah. Um, hopefully the, some sort of resolution comes from that. Again, we'll be keeping an eye on that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening and you know any more about that, by all means, uh, get in touch with us. If you personally um, are, are involved um, and have not received... Um, items from Steamforge for the, the Dark Souls campaign we'd, we'd like to hear from you in, in particular it's becoming a common tale I think with uh, Kickstarter yeah exactly and this is uh, this is why you need to be careful and have realistic expectations yeah. you know when you when you spend your money at, uh, at a Kickstarter project I think when it comes to spending money on anything a policy that I use myself is if I'm not sure about it, I just don't buy it. Because if, you, if you're if you not excited enough and enthused enough, you, you have to hesitate about something that's maybe a sign that it's not for you. You know? Mm-hmm. You're right there. Yeah. I haven't made any... Rash purchases. Rash purchases recently. What, what have you done? Oh, shut up. <laughs> alright okay mind um, a couple of episodes ago we were talking about Ultimate Masters the, uh-huh. the final or as they say final Masters set that uh, Magic the Gathering is going to do they say that this is a bit like to me it, it feels a bit like when a band breaks up yeah, or they go on hiatus it's right? like the permanent Eagle, hiatus the Eagles farewell tour yeah, yeah. how many times has that happened yeah Right, uh, so I, I suspect we'll see another Masters set when Wizards of the Coast want print more money. Mm-hmm. But this is, for now anyway, the last one that they're going to do. Um, okay. And they've inflated the price of it. And you you bought it? I bought I pre-ordered it, yeah. Okay. But uh, it looks really good! But are you, are you regretting it? No. But- I'm not, I'm not, but... At the same time, uh, there is a part of me that thinks... Because it is the most I've spent on a single Magic the Gathering product. For for full disclosure, I have Mm -hmm. paid £254. Okay? So what I get for that is 24 booster packs that have... It's all reprints, a lot of valuable cards... And you get a box topper card, which is a full art, like rare or mythic okay. card. Yeah, um, I I really hope I get my money's worth out of that too, <laughs> frankly. But oh, you weren't kidding that you get twenty five boosters. You get twenty four boosters and a box topper. Don't pull that face, man. That's a lot of money. I know it's a lot of money. Okay. I know it's a lot. Well, I hope you and your booster box are very happy together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm, right, I'm going to draft this with some friends at home, so that's going to be fun. We usually do it for the master sets anyway. Okay. Um, I don't have to justify the way I spend my money <laughs> to you. Look, right? We all, we, we all, we all make these sort of purchases. Um, how much money have you spent on Games Workshop in the last? The last twelve months, probably a lot. I I've not spent two hundred and fifty on a single purchase though. No, 
No, that's fair. Just to bring things yeah. into perspective here. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's fine. All okay. right. Okay. But yeah. One off, like Christmas treat to myself. You know. Okay. So, you, you're still judging me. You're still. Ju- I can see it in your face. Shut it's, up. It's because I can see like you wrestling with yourself, like <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying hopelessly to justify this purchase. Oh no, I can't. You can't justify it. There's no way you can justify. It. But in the same way that you, you can't justify spending hundreds of pounds on plastic toys, can you? Really? Can um, you? Well, I suppose there, there's a certain argument. You know, like maybe if you had like a studio, and you're producing. You know, like display pieces or something like that. Ah, but then, right, that's a business, mm-hmm. and that's a raw material for said yeah. biz- for your products, right? As a consumer. Well, that well, that's what I'm saying. In mm. that instance, you could justify. I don't run a studio. Mm-hmm. I just collect them. Yeah. So. Because it's, I, I, I don't. There's something. I I I think there's something quite satisfying about collecting something. I uh, know like, I, I would agree. And you know, okay, so th- that's been my most expensive ever single purchase of Magic the Gathering. Like, um, and I think we talked about it on a previous episode. My most expensive Magic card, forty pounds. Forty yeah. pounds, the most I've spent on a single card, right? And that to to people who have no interest in Magic the Gathering, that's going to sound absolutely absurd. Why? Why would a um, why would a playing card be worth forty pounds? But but then people spend fifteen pounds on cocktails. Yes, <laughs> so. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, what if you're the guy who spends two hundred and fifty odd on Magic the Gathering and fifteen pounds on cocktails? Then you probably have more money than sense. Yeah. You also sit in a, the, a very slim Venn diagram there, I think. I think there's enough people in the world that there must be someone out there. Just sipping on their cocktail. Yeah, opening his booster uh, pack. <laughs> 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 ah, Jan Crayer again! I don't care. Ah, another, <laughs> another mojito waiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some lunatic... In some really trendy nightclub somewhere. Yeah. Just cracking packs yeah. of Magic the Gathering. Yeah. It's a new hipster thing. That's they it, they yeah. don't even draft with them. That would make my blood boil. Just yeah. like They just throw them away when they're uh, done. Yeah. Ah! Ah! Uh, a new Lamog. Oh, well. Chucks so, it my, away. My, I remember my dad telling me when he was a wee boy um, and his mum took him to London and um, there was all these... Um, Bankers cutting about in the you know the bowler hats, hats and, yep. yeah, yeah, because it was standard issue. I have one at home. It was the sixties, so, mm-hmm. um, and one of them dropped a, a fiver on the ground to see if someone would pick it up. Right. And my dad went over and picked it up. No, <laughs> seriously, yeah, wow. The, the, a... To them, it was hilarious that someone would 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 deign to. To try and pick up a fiver. Bend down to pick up a fiver that they'd And then decided to laugh at your father, who was a child at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Those people were cartoons of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Like jokes on them. (laughs) Down a fiver. (laughs) (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) 
Kickstarter, yes. Uh, yeah, we were kind of wrapping up on that. But Kickstarter, also notable, uh, PAX, uh, unplugged PAX Unplugged yep. is happening. And for the first time at a convention, or at least as far as I'm aware anyway, Kickstarter have a stand where they're showing off uh, some of their board game, it's, some of the board game projects. It's the first instance of them doing this that I'm aware of as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a cynical little part of me that can't help but think that they've had a run of bad news recently. They're getting a bit of a bad reputation. Are they maybe trying to recover some of that? Oh, maybe. By giving a platform to other creators. Um, if they are, it, it's it's ob- obviously they've got very selfish motivations for doing that. You know, it is still a business at the end of the day. Um, I hope it's something that they continue to do. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it makes sense. They they obviously made quite a lot of money through the board game market, yeah. so uh, it makes sense for them. Makes sense for convention goers. It makes sense for creators as well. Yeah, but the because the. It used to be on on Kickstarter that if if you had a a pretty good idea and a, a fairly fleshed out pitch for it mm-hmm. that you were probably going to fund. But over recent years, we've we've started. Oh, you, you need a finished product. No, but what I was going to say is we're starting to see these bigger companies mm-hmm. eating up more and more of the 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 market. Yeah. Um. So. My my hope is that they they do remember that the what made Kickstarter was that it was a place for innovation mm-hmm. during a time where um, companies that already were quite risk averse became even more so, mm-hmm. um, and there are, there are a lot of great ideas and and great creations that were allowed to flourish through that. And the problem is that if Kickstarter becomes a bit too corporate, it just becomes like all those other. Company. Yeah, it becomes a shop window. Yeah, may as well just go to Amazon. Yeah, so hopefully it's a good sign. That, yeah, that they're doing that. Um, yeah, I agree. And as you say, Pax Unplugged is uh, is in full flight at the moment. Will be for this weekend. Yep, as and, is uh, Dragon Meat. Yep. as well. So this is a London convention. More of an emphasis on RPGs. It has to be said. Right, but they still do like board gaming and yeah. trading cards as well. Yeah. So. so there's a bit of everything. They run the full gamut. That's it. So that will be uh, in full swing. We've never actually been. I mean, it's bizarre, but um, it's it's actually a little awkward to get to London from Glasgow. So yeah, it's um, Birmingham. Is really easy for us to get to. Is that like we, I think we've said before? It's actually easier for us to get to Birmingham than it is to get to a lot of the north of England. Aye, because it's just one direct train, yeah. and it's one direct train to London, admittedly as well. But London's so vast when you get there as well. Yeah. Um, Try, trying to get from A to B in London at times is an absolute pig. Aye, um, and accommodation is very expensive there yeah. as well. Unless you've got a pal who lives there. Yeah, which we do. Yeah, So we, we should go. probably go to Dragon Meat. <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's the conclusion to this. But for those of you who are listening and are going, we, we hope you've enjoyed the convention. You're probably listening to this after it's all finished yeah. and wrapped up. 
uh, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what news and bits and pieces come out of that weekend. Absolutely. Have we got anything further on the news agenda? I think news-wise that about covers it, so we can probably talk about what we've been up to. Yes, so as, as I said right at the start of the episode, we had our final Pathfinder session for the year. Uh, the other night, because our next one we're, we're going to have a bit of a Christmas night out instead. Um, so, uh, it's a lot of it was sort of setting up for the next story arc. Looks like we're going to be investigating these drow that have been... Well, do drow do anything other than get up to no good? I don't know. This is the old uh, fantasy racial profiling again. <laughs> so... It's not racial profiling if it's true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in all seriousness, for some reason, Drow always seem to be evil. So there yeah. we go. Uh, they, they do have a pretty dark culture, it has to be said. Yeah. Lolth and all that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll be picking up that in the new year, and we'll I'll keep you guys informed as to what goes on with our campaign. Yeah, that front. Uh, other gaming wise, although we've not been doing a whole lot of gaming of late, we did play Keyforge. Aye, this was your first crack at it. My second it was. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I'm going to read out the name of my deck for people who have not heard what it is yet. So my deck is called Advanced Misloon, the Omniscient Bookbinder. Sounds very fancy, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, it sounds quite scholarly, but it's mm-hmm. actually quite an aggressive deck. Yeah, it, it didn't. The name didn't quite match the the theme. Uh, Brobnar, Untamed, and Logos. Yeah, just just beat stuff with a bit of tech. With a yeah, with a bit of cybernetic augmentation. Oh, yes. There we go. Was I? I can't quite remember the name of my deck, but it was. You were the, t- the town captain. Yeah, of... it was some so and so, the town captain. It was very underwhelming. Yeah. Like, yeah, because we've been seeing online all these ridiculous names for them, and you get that, and it's like, oh, well, I'm disappointed now. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on the game? Honestly, I I don't play as many card games as you, mm-hmm. but I've played a few. Uh, I I think although you're quite invested in Magic, I've probably played quite a lot of different card games. Yeah. Because I've played a lot of the online ones and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Keyforge isn't all that different from a lot of the card games on on the market. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And as I said in a previous episode that I was a little underwhelmed when I first played it and safe to say that feeling's still persisting. Yeah. Um... I do want to like try it again a little bit more, maybe, yeah. but just in case there's something I'm missing. But I, it's it, it's hard to put pinpoint exactly what it is. Right? I've got some thoughts on it. Okay, if you'd like to hear them out. Well, we're podcast about board gaming, so yes. we, we yeah. probably should share. It'd be, it'd be rude not to. Yeah. So one one of the things that immediately you say to people. Um, who are quite enthusiastic about Keyforge, you say to them to me it's just like any other card game, they'll counter with it's not because the main 
cut and thrust of the game is mar is mining the the ember. Yeah, is gaining this resource. It's still not all that different from other Aye. card games because if you substitute a few words out, the mechanic is identical. Really, the ember is just health. Yep. In any other card game, because uh, you take uh, games like. Uh, Magic the Gathering, Lightseekers, uh, Age of Sigmar, Champions. There's a lot of things that allow you to replenish health mm-hmm. and to damage the health of other people. Keyforge has that. Yep. Um, I, I had a card in particular that whenever it entered play, it mm-hmm. took two ember off you. You could. It was it, really annoying. You could, but you could in other games change that to deal two damage to the yep. controlling player. It, mm-hmm. it is identical. It's just clever use of phrasing that makes it feel like it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, what one of the the things I've also seen people say is that, that they talk about Keyforge being an engine builder. Every card game is an engine builder. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, there's no the, the spirit of the game anyway. There's no deck building in it, and whether no. whether that's like a good thing or a bad thing for you. Is, completely dependent on what you're looking for. It's a double-edged sword because I think one of the problems um, as we've discussed with Underworlds and Magic before is that when a game's out for a certain amount of time you start to see the same decks. Yeah, it gets solved. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get that with Keyforge Mm -hmm. because you you have your deck and that's it. You you never amend it. Mm -hmm. At the same time though, I think what's going to happen is eventually people will want to have some constructed format for it. Yeah, without a doubt. Once the initial charm of the unusual distribution model wears off. Mm -hmm. And that, again, you know, the the names on the the decks and all that, that's a pretty cool little gimmick, but the distribution model's not really all that different from booster packs. Mm. It's just instead of buying booster packs, it's your... It's an entire deck, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it sounds like we're, we're, we've got nothing good to say about it, and that's not the case. It's clearly a very well-polished and like designed game. Yeah. The art is characterful. Uh, it... I do have to say about the art, I feel like I've seen it before. And when I went home and thought about it... Oh, right. See, uh, have you heard of a game called Battleborn? Yeah... See if you look up the artwork for that. Yeah, it's it's pretty close. It's a similar sort of. Well, the, the, there's a few different like tropes within Keyforge, like the the Martian faction is. They, they're a bit di- unusual. Different to well, I mean, they're the classic UFO green alien men. Yeah, but it's very different to what we normally see in this sort of game. Yeah, that's uh, true. But as for the other factions, they're they're not all that different from. A lot of the stuff, in particular, in Battleborn. But it's not. It's not badly presented. No, it looks nice. Yeah. But it's just. It's not all that different. It's that sort of. Um, it's that um, heroic, colourful, high fantasy slash sci-fi Blizzard style presentation. Yeah. Um, so, having said all that. I think the reason that Keyforge is doing so well is not because it's an exceptionally well-designed game. It is a good game. It's not an exceptional game. Mm -hmm. I think it's been marketed very well. Oh, yeah. Um, Obviously, that's something Fantasy Flight do very well. 
But one of the things that I've noticed is that the way it's advertised and the way it's presented, they're selling it to board gamers rather than rather than card gamers. I know I said this previously, and you know, it, it, it this is not for this is not a game for competitive trading card players. No, no, and no. I suppose the nice thing is that it's probably more accessible to kids. Yeah, and. You know, a lot of people probably do decry that statement, but you ask any gamer that has kids, that's important. Oh, yeah. That's very important. Um, And the fact that you have the deck building element removed makes it even more accessible to kids. Pick up and play. Especially younger kids. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would say that is all to the good. We did talk the other week, if you remember, about uh, trends and things coming in cycles. Because mm-hmm. you know, we, we were saying that um, with video games, you had this period in the 80s where they were just hurling ideas yep. at the wall to see what would stick um, to the point where things were getting rushed out. And you know you had E.T. and then they buried it in the desert because it was so awful and everyone wanted to forget <laughs> about it. And you, you had that again, it, it reared its head again in 2013 mm-hmm. with video games where you had a run of AAA titles that were just getting rushed out to meet deadlines and frankly were half-baked. Feels a bit like the the card game frenzy of the 90s has come back around a little bit. A little bit, yeah. It will be interesting to see which ones stick around though. Yeah. Um, Age of like so, Age of Sigma Champions as a game is very different, and I, I like it. But I agree with you; that I have concerns with how it was balanced, uh-huh. and that might have the damage might have been done. That might have turned off enough people off uh, off of it to stop it from growing and stay, having longevity. Obviously, um, I have seen a lot of people in some of the groups that I'm in not just selling cards, but selling their entire collections. Oh, yeah. Um, there's also, and there's been a slew of games lately that have come and gone, like Weishfarts, uh, there's a Dragon Ball Z trading card game that has gained some traction, even Final Fantasy, they had a crack at it. It's very difficult to knock the, the big three off their... Podium, you know, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu Gi Oh! He that shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> the Voldemort of tabletop games. Yeah. No offense if you enjoy Yu Gi Oh! You, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, those, those three games have been around for a very long time in this, you know, to the scale of this industry. Yeah. Um, and no one's really challenged them. Pokemon's a solid game. That is a really Pokemon's good game. A, Magic the Gathering. Yeah. The, the original and I would argue best. Yeah. Uh, admit I, it's flawed, I, but yeah, I, I know you. The, yeah. The Magic community and I don't quite see eye to eye. No, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're you're right. I I think that. I I think part of the reason that those games ha- have lasted it, it's a. <laughs> It's a bit like um, you know these singers like you know, David Bowie and Madonna, their ability to reinvent themselves. Yeah. And although you've still got the same tried and tested formula with um, with Magic and Pokemon, 
the they're not afraid to try things experiment that are a different. yeah and yeah and that's uh, the the beauty with magic the gathering setup in, in in terms of its the the fiction behind it is that they can uh, because it's you know a multi-planar setting yeah. they can just go to a different you can just create a new setting just all right we're going to we're going to do a setting about dinosaurs and pirates and vampire conquistadors and people I are do just, still yeah, want that, to try that right. out at some point what the I do because I like I like the sound of that it was all right all right it was it was all right the 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 theme was cooler than the actual gameplay of that set sometimes that's all that matters <laughs> but the last two sets have been fantastic Sorry, I beg your pardon. I'm I'm forgetting there was a core set in between the two of them. But Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica is an amazing setting, and I love Guilds of Ravnica. Mm-hmm. And Dominaria is a really good return to form mm-hmm. for them as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. there we go. So in summary, Keyforge, meh. It's okay. Yeah. It's not as revolutionary as it's been made out to be. Yeah. But um, um, some some clever rewording. <laughs> to to yeah. make things feel a bit more different than they really are. Just a couple quick more announcements. Um, we're ramping up to game of the year. Yes. So if you've got anything in particular that you would like to to have considered for that, let us know and we'll look into it. Suggest fog of love. It'll really annoy Ben. Um, they do have to have been <laughs> released. Just not even not even acknowledging. Moving it. on, we they do have to have been released. Um, Within 2018. Yeah, so that's uh, January the 1st, 2018 to December 31st, 2018. So Game uh, of the Year could still be getting released soon. Could be. Who knows? Could be. Who there's, knows? A, there's a couple we're considering, but we'll yeah we'll talk about that later. And then the other thing is the Lucky Sparrow uh, Gaming of Cafe. Of course, yes. It's now open for business. There we go. You guys were at the press event. We were. Uh, Rubbing, rubbing shoulders with the the good and the great of Glasgow's board gaming scene. Yep, played a really shit game. Oh, called uh, Yardmaster Express. Don't play it. It's like Sushi Go but shit. Right, sold. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it it was really bad. Okay, really bad. But the cafe's nice. Cafe's nice. Yeah, uh, the the staff are all great. Really enthusiastic. Um. It was great catching up with Owen Duffy, um, who is the editor for the the board game book. Mm-hmm. As I contributor for the Guardian as well. The Guardian as well, uh, and Vice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we saw Jamie from the Giant Brain as well. Oh yeah. And there was a few other people, but um, that was that was who I spoke to. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Thank you very much for listening to us rambling for 40 minutes. Yes. Uh, until next time, guys, you take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi there, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is Ewan Bowers for the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Executive producer. Uh, <laughs> I believe that's my title. I believe I put enough into the Patreon. You too can put money into the Patreon. It's highly recommended. It helps these guys out. But if you're too cheap, there's always the Twitter. And the uh, the Facebook page, you can get those on uh, just searching Unlucky Frog Gaming. And there's also a website, www.unluckyfrog.com. I want to be a producer. You can't. We, we, there can only be one producer, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>